Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Walt's talking about pavement never saved anybody, but I think our pavement might bring them before Jesus faster. <laughs> so we want to get them in the building so they can hear about Christ before we send them to him. <laughs> oh, my mind works crazy. Well, this morning, hopefully you guys are ready for me. I don't know. I'm in an interesting mood. <laughs> it's been sunny, so I think I've got my vitamin D now. A little bit more charged up and energized. Um, I love the summer. I don't mind heat. I really don't mind heat. Humidity, I could do without, but I love the heat. Makes you want to go in the pool more. Um, so, you guys ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to be before the Lord, hear what he has to say to you today? Are you ready to be transformed by the word? I hope so. Now, there's no truth to this story, but hopefully it'll make you laugh. Man comes to the pearly gates, and he feels he's ready. He's prepared to go in. So he comes up with confidence. And of course, it's always St. Peter at the pearly gates. There's no one else there. He's a busy guy. So anyway, he's there, and he's like, Glad to see you. Now, here, in order for you to come in, you've got to earn 100 points. And basically what we do is we kind of look at what you've done in life, and we give you some points. And if you get to 100, we'll let you in. So this guy's pretty confident. He's like, oh, man, I have just, I've done it. I have been working like a dog as a Christian. So he's like, you know, I was married for 50 years. I was true to my wife. I was focused on her. It was great. And St. Peter goes, oh, man, that is fantastic. Man, that's, I'll definitely give you two points. Two points? Now the guy's getting like, all right, uh, all right. So, you know, I, I was a giver. You know, I served at church. I, I gave a tithe and an offering, and I, I served there all the time. And, boy, every time the doors were open, I was there, and I, I was just killing it. Oh, man, that is terrific. I, easy one point. Guy's like, what? So I was like, all right, well, you know, I, I started a, a soup kitchen in my town, and I, I worked there, and I, I recruited people, and, and I was there all the time, and it, it just it grew, and it was, it was a fantastic situation. And St. Peter's like, oh, man, you have been busy. So I'll give you definitely another point for that. Another point? <sighs> all right, um... What else? Well, I was really good to people, and you know, sometimes I would kind of put money in the, the Salvation Army jug, and you know, I never criticized them, and what's that worth? Oh, man, that is fantastic. That's another point. And he's like, and now the guy's like frantic. He's like, I did all this stuff, and I thought I was doing what I needed to do, and it's like, at this rate, it'll only be by the grace of God that I get through this gate. 100 points, bingo, you finally got it. Come on in. See, we can get caught up in church, can't we? And, it's, and we think it changes God's mind about us. But he's already crazy about us. If we're in him, if we are in Christ, he's already crazy about us. He already loved us way before we ever showed up on the planet. He loved us. We've got to remember that. 
sometimes we get thinking that, you know, well, if I'm in the word more, or if I go the extra mile here, or if I do this thing, that it's, God's going to like, oh, now I like you more. He already loves us as much as he could possibly love us. And so when we kind of understand that, it changes our motivation. Now, we'll still do a lot of the same things. We'll still give, and we'll still serve, and we'll still start things. But our motivation will be different when we understand God's love for us. Now, I'm really excited about where we are today because it really gives us a, a cool picture, uh, Romans chapter 8, of um, the Trinity, because we're going to see God and the Spirit and the Son here. And, and we're going to see some different things as far as how that works. So, just so I don't get too far off here, um, if you want to follow along, we'll be in Romans 8, which is page 1300 if you don't have your own Bible. Uh, there's some out there in the chairs. Uh, but just as a kind of recap... Chapters 1, 2, and 3, the whole world was shown condemned, lost in sin. All familiar with that. Chapters 3, 4, and 5, um, condemned sinners were seen as justified and declared righteous if they believed in Christ. Then in chapter 6 and 7, the method of sanctification was explained. And at the end of chapter 7, the treatment of justification and sanctification is completed. So we're seeing how God's working with people. We're seeing how believers now are starting to change. We're seeing how God works in lives. Now, there's always one question that's asked at this time. Will this divine method of justification and sanctification last? How do we know? And that's exactly what chapter 8 is going to help us understand, or should help us grasp. Now, we're going to start with Arctic Crafts this morning, because that's always more fun than waiting to the end. So let's see, if I can do this right, it won't be too bad. Now, I, I use the word believer, you could use the word Christian, you could word, use the words Christ follower. But if today you are a believer, at that time of salvation, God put his spirit in us. And then we were then placed... Let's get it right. <laughs> My wife's the real good teacher. I'm just, you know, I don't teach well. Then we are in Christ. And then all of that is encapsulated in the love of God. And when we get to the end of this chapter, this will become very significant as far as where we are with God in Christ and how the Spirit works in our life. Is there anywhere we can go where God can't find us, where God can't help us? Not here. He completely surrounds us, covers us. There's nothing that can get to us that He doesn't know about, that He doesn't see, that He's not aware of. All right. Can you tell I'm back in the children's ministry? <laughs> It's fun down there. You should come. All right, let's do some reading here. Romans 8.1. I know that's where Walt left off, uh, but it's really important, I think, that we start here because we're going to see a cool sandwich because it starts in chapter 1 talking about being in Christ, and then at the end of the chapter it talks about being in Christ. All right, so then we need to see everything that's going on in between here. So, all right, let's read verse 1. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Don't miss that. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin, our sin. In the flesh, Christ's flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children then heirs, heirs of God, joined heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also be glorified together. Pray with me. Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, there is so much truth here, so much information here in this chapter. And we pray, Lord, that we walk away with as much as possible. Father, this chapter communicates so much that you have done for us in so many different ways. We're humbled, Lord, by your love. We're humbled by your sacrifice. We're humbled by your care. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do this morning. And we ask that you change our hearts and change our minds and transform them to be more like Christ as we walk out of this place this morning. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, at the beginning there, it starts off, there is therefore now no condemnation, no blame, no disapproval, no criticism, no attack, no sentence, no judgment. Get the idea? To those who are in Christ Jesus. Now that, this is a very important aspect that you've got to ask yourself. Because our lives should be changing if we are in Christ. Our lives should be different if we are in Christ. Because there's no way that God is going to infuse his spirit in you and you're going to be in Christ and transforming toward Christ and your life stay the same. It's impossible. It's impossible. 
Because God is always at work. And it's life. And it's fulfilling. And it's changing. Now, looking at the first part here, those who are in Christ, all right, I don't want to miss any of this, set their minds, walk according to the Spirit. Putting to death the deeds of the body, set on, setting their mind on God. Now that's our role. You know, Paul talked about this, right? Trying to take his body and not let it be the influence of how he lives. I mean, that's our challenge here. We've got the flesh that we're still in, the flesh that's not glorified, the flesh that haunts us on a regular basis. It's always kind of wanting us to give in to its rule instead of Christ's rule in our life. Passions, impulses, all of that. And so it's putting those things to death so that Christ can lead, Christ can move, Christ can work. So, being preserved by God here. Now, you'll find out that I don't know much about canning when I, when I talk about this. But growing up, my grandmother canned all the time. My grandfather had an enormous garden. And I remember going down in their basement and there was a whole wall of just vegetables and stuff. It was just, it was mind-blowing. It was like going into a store, but it was in my grandparents' basement. And all that stuff stayed there and, you know, that's what they would eat all winter long. And I'm sure you guys are like, yeah, we know this. But to me, it's mind-blowing that you can put something in a jar, boil it, and then put it on a shelf, and it stays fresh. It's mind-blowing. Now, I learned a little while later, it's because there's a vacuum in there, and it takes out all of the oxygen, all of the life, really, is removed from the jar that keeps it preserved. Because if oxygen gets in, that oxygen is life, and that life will all of a sudden, <laughs> there's all kinds of life that will show up inside that jar. And I can't help but think about that's how it is when Christ comes in, or when we get the Spirit. Life. And that life cannot help but produce other life. Think about it. What's going on in your heart and mind? Have you been caught up in just the world in which we live, just getting through the schedule, just getting through the day, just getting through your task list? Or is there life that's leading? Life that's guiding. See, we're preserved. We, we are preserved with Christ's life in us and what it does and what it can do. And, and it safeguards us against so many things. But we've got to be in Christ first. Now, when we are, we're free from the law of sin and death. We please God. We have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. We experience life and peace. Here's a big flag. Are you experiencing life? Are you experiencing peace? Because then you've got to ask yourself, okay, well, what's going on if I'm not? If the Holy Spirit is living within me and I am in Christ and I am in God's love and I'm not at peace, why not? Because that's supposed to happen. God says that's what happens to those that are in Christ. So you've got to check yourself and say, okay, is it something that I'm doing? Am I quenching the Spirit in my life? Am I a believer following Christ and, and, and there's something I'm doing that prevents? Is there sin that's stopping this from happening? Or 
has nothing really changed for me? Have I tried to put on Christian living only without living in Christ? Because there's a huge, huge difference. Declare children adopted heirs of God and joint heirs when we're preserved, when we're in Christ, and we're glorified together with Christ. And I can't wait till that happens. Imagine glorified bodies where they're, not, it's, they're just not bugging us anymore. You know, can you imagine that? I can't wait. So as we're preserved by God and we are in Christ, 1 Corinthians 1.30 comes to mind. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God has made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and freed us from sin. Now, we struggle with that. And I've talked about this before. Do you feel pure? Do you feel holy? Probably not. You know, I woke up this morning not really feeling pure, not really feeling holy. You know, I don't know what it is. About morning breath, it's just the craziest thing. You don't feel pure. You don't feel holy. But you are. You are. And see, until we get to those places where we understand who we are in Christ, it is so key to understand our identity. Adoption. Now, I'm very familiar with that. I was adopted within my family. And, you know, when my parents died and I had to deal with their estate, I was their only heir. And so I was able to kind of do whatever I needed to do with their estate to finalize things. I had full control. I had full ownership. I had full everything. And that's who we are in Christ. Adopted heirs. We just read that. And sometimes we don't live like the Father. Sometimes we forget we are in his household. Sometimes we forget we're in his family. And we need to be looking to him and understanding who he is and how he wants to work in our lives and understanding our inheritance. And some of that is being pure and being holy. That is part of who we are. And when we can capture that and understand that, it will change the way we live. It will change the the decisions that we make. Because would someone wholly do this? Would someone wholly watch that? Would someone wholly listen to this? And again, I'm not talking about all of a sudden we become the Christian police and we're like banging on people who aren't. Because so many times, you know, we go to the unsaved and we go, oh, you're not supposed to be this, you're not supposed to be that. They're unsaved people. Nobody, of course, they're going to act unsaved. We need to use, you know, be looking at us and checking us against the truth. Checking us against, am I living pure? Am I living holy? Am I living a sanctified life, a justified life? Being preserved by God's truth. That's where we're supposed to be focused on. Not that it's focusing on us, but it's focusing on God and being in Christ. Now, Those who are in the flesh. And this helps us get some understanding. You're bound to the law of sin and death. You set your mind and walk according to the things of the flesh, the things of man. Carnally minded, headed for death, hostile against God, cannot please God. Doesn't sound like a fun place at all. In Christ, in the flesh. In Christ, in the flesh. Now, there's an interesting word here that we cannot miss. 
as believers, we can be in Christ, but walk according to the flesh, which means we're basically living like unsaved people. Why would we want to do that? Well, I've always lived this way. All right, so it's, it's, it's easier to live like the unsaved? Maybe. But why would you want to do that? There is so much more of an inheritance in Christ when we understand that God has asked us to eliminate certain things in our life because they bring harm. They bring detriment to us. When he's asked to bring things into our life because they're beneficial. And it really comes down to trust. Do we trust him? Or am I going to trust my gut, my feeling, my intuition, my thinking, the world's logic? See, we've got to make a decision. God wants us to make a decision. Because when we are sold out for him, we live differently. Our choices are different. Our mindset is different. We're different neighbors. We're different husbands, wives, sons, daughters. We're different. I've seen God move me and challenge my heart. Sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's really hard when I have to look at it and say, wow, that is me. I am critical or I am negative or I am whatever. It's hard. I won't disagree. But God says, why would you want to live there? Why would you want to stay there? Learn from it. Grow from it. Let me work in your life so that you can get more out of your day. So that you can understand who I am and what I can do through you. I mean, I'll tell you, when I'm doing things that are God-motivated and in Christ, I am energized. And it doesn't matter what time of day. You know, there are some times that I, I can, I'll meet with somebody, and it can be 10, 11 o'clock at night, and I am so cranked up and so energized because we've been in the Word of God and talking about it, and somebody is just, there; they want it. And I go home just, and it's hard for me to sleep. Because it's just, it's so energizing for me because it's like, when I see people hungry for the word of God, when I see people who, they're just, they're wanting someone to, to invest in their life and to change who they are, and they don't see how to do it on their own, and they're just asking for help. But there's openness and willingness, and there's a hunger there that energizes me to death. Because there's life there, and there's change there, and there's humility there, and there's, there's just so much going on, and I get to see the hand of God working in people's lives, and, and molding them, and moving them, and, and I get to be a part of that, and that's humbling to me. You know, God says, you know, I can let the rocks praise me if I wanted to, but he lets us be a part. So cool. And, and God's power and all that he's doing, he's preserving us. We are preserved by God. And nothing comes into our lives that he does not know about. Which I appreciate a lot. Sometimes it's hard to deal with what he allows in. But I appreciate the fact that God is there and he knows what's going on. Alright, so let's continue reading. I wish we had so much more time in this book. But we don't. So we have to press on. Alright, we're back to verse 18. Excuse me. It says, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Won't that be a glorious thing? Redeem this body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that it's seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now those of you who hear the word predestined and freak out, we're not covering it today, but Pastor Graham is going to be covering it in a couple weeks. So just be prepared for that. We're going to be looking at being served by God today and what he does based on these verses. Now, <clears throat> how many of you are Christmas people? You love Christmas. Oh, okay. How many of you love getting gifts? Okay. How many of you like being surprised by the gifts that are under the tree? Oh, a little less. I'm kind of surprised. Um, That excitement that just builds, I know, I'm rarely surprised because I'm, it's my own fault too. Because my family, I'm a very practical person. I like practical gifts. I give practical gifts. I like to get practical gifts. And so I'm rarely surprised. Um, my wife occasionally will pull it off because she's awesome. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, when, in, the, in those couple of moments where it's like, I don't know what that could be. I don't, um, hmm, that could be this, or that could be that, or that could be this, or that could be that. And just that excitement that sort of starts to build as you wonder and ponder and think about. And that's really the picture I get here when we, we talk about God glorifying us wholly, glorifying the flesh. What is that going to be like? You know, some people say, oh, well, we're going to be 25. And they say, oh, well, no, we'll be like 33 because that was the age of Jesus. And oh, we're going to be this. And oh, we're going to be that. We don't know, which I think is so cool. God has left that a mystery. He says, you're going to be glorified. It's going to be better. It's going to be different. But we really don't know what it's going to be like, do we? I think that is so cool. And I think the, the excitement that's captured there, you know, as we look at what God is going to do, it's very childlike. Because we're his children. And I think God wants to do things in our life that are exciting and fun and neat. Um, you, you think about, you know, I'm always brought to that verse. If, you know, if, if earthly fathers can do all this cool stuff for their, their kids, their family, how much more 
can our Heavenly Father do? So I think there's a cool picture there that God always wants us to see. And I think He wants to work in our lives in that same kind of familial way. But just like we're preserved by God, we're also served by God. But we're like, we miss it oftentimes. I mean, just the fact that, you know what, he knows we don't know how to pray for things sometimes. He knows we don't know (laughs) that we should be praying for certain things. And he's at work. I mean, how faithful is he as a father? That he's saying, you know, oh, they're still not getting it yet, so all right, let's, let's try to get this to work in their life, and let's try to expose them to some things that are going to bring the fruit of the Spirit around. You know, maybe love is lacking, or joy, or peace, or one of those things. So it's like, let's bring some circumstances, or allow some circumstances into their life so they can see me. See, you know, the really cool thing about God is he is faithful to his word. And so if we seek him, what happens? Yes, Rich, thank you. We find him. So if you haven't found him yet, you're not seeking. You're not looking. You're not going after him. You're not hunting for him. Because he says, if we seek him, we're going to find him. And so we've got to be doing at least something here. Now, served by God. The Spirit is our first fruits providing hope so that He's working in our life. The Spirit intercedes or prays for us. And again, that's according to the will of God. So, you know, that sports car probably isn't going to show up. Sorry. Um, Unless it's in the will of God. You know, it could be. You know, you never know. Uh, Works all things together for good for those who love Him. Now, see, there's a caveat in there. See, if we're loving God and trusting Him, He's going to work all those things. But if we're just hoping that God's going to like do it anyway, He's off the hook here, really. He's like, if you're just going to do your own thing, I'll let you. Which is pretty scary. Because sometimes we go down very long, dark paths before we look up to God again. But the cool part is He's faithful. Because He wants us to be well with him. He enables us to be conformed to the image of his son and he justifies us so that we can be glorified. See, he's doing so much behind the scenes and probably even more than we could realize. He's serving us and I'll be the first to admit it. That's an easy element to forget. Because sometimes it does not feel like God's at work. It does not seem like, because we have expectations, and you know, we all know what expectations are, right? Predetermined disappointments. That's all the expectations are. And when those things aren't fulfilled, we always point, you know, God, how come you didn't? And why aren't you? And how come this? You didn't meet my expectation. And all the while he's going, because I love you and I know that will hurt you and why would I want to give that to you? I'm praying diligently for you. I'm wanting you to know who I am. So allow me to work in your life and to change things. Ephesians 1, 12 to 14 sums it up, I think, quite nicely. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust Christ 
would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. That's why we have these gifts. That's why God builds so much into us is because it is the tools we need to praise him and to glorify him. And when we can learn to do that well, we benefit unbelievably. And not that you would do that for that selfish reason, but that just shows how faithful God is to give us good things and to instill good things in us. Because even while we're glorifying him and praising him, we start to get who he is and what he wants to do and how it works and how it gets put together and how much he serves us. From day one, back before it was all created, right up until now, he's serving us, he's serving us, he's serving us. And that's the example he wants. He wants us to be serving him, serving him, serving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because he knows what it does for us. Well, I'm going to jump to the end, sorry. I was hoping to get through this third part, but it's not going to happen according to the clock. I'll just give you the, the, the quick rundown. We were preserved by God, we're served by God. This last section, Christ, as far as being in Christ Jesus, we're loved by God. Um, which, I'll just read the last part. Verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. We're loved by God. God is for us. God provides all things for us. He died for us. He intercedes for us. We are inseparable from him. I hope you feel loved. I hope you feel his love, most importantly, because it makes a difference. A couple things. J.I. Packer says this. The grace of God is love freely shown toward guilty sinners contrary to their merit and indeed in defiance of their demerit. We have to ask, why should this thought mean so much? Once a person is convinced that his state and need are as the New Testament describes, the gospel of grace cannot but sweep him off his feet with wonder and joy. For it tells how our judge has become our savior. It reveals that justification is the truly dramatic transition from the status of a condemned criminal awaiting a terrible sentence to that of an heir awaiting a fantastic inheritance. So I guess the question I have this morning, which one are you? A condemned criminal awaiting a terrible sentence, being in the flesh, or an heir awaiting a fantastic inheritance, being in Christ with no condemnation?
Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, thankful and humbled. Lord, your love is like no other. Your thoughts are not like our thoughts. Your ways are not like our ways. Lord, enable us to trust you. Enable us to use your truth as our guide, as our light, as our lamp. And not our own logic, not the world's thinking by any means. Lord, transform our thinking, transform our hearts, so that we will be more like your son. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.